Welcome to Talk Design. I'm Adrian Ramsey, and with the Architects Marketing Institute, I'm going to bring you 12 special editions. These 12 editions, the architects who are presenting their homes on the Austin AIA Homes Tour. They're all very inspiring, and there's some secret special tips that you'll get towards the end of each podcast. I hope you're as inspired as I am. guest today on Talk Design is Hugh Jefferson Randolph and Hugh and I go back uh, probably about three or four years now and on the AIA Austin Homes Tour, um, Hugh is opening his own house. Now you'd never get to see in Hugh's house other than if you were a guest that was invited. He wouldn't put his home on the tour but what he's done is he's put his home on the tour um, which is, as I say, 5,000 people he wouldn't let through his neighbor, through his backyard. Um, and even if he would, his wife probably wouldn't. So it's a really special thing. There's a couple of houses like this on the tour this year where the architects are opening their own homes. And you really get a look into some of their values and the way that they approach their own space that uh, normally you would never see because it's usually client driven. So Hugh, thank you and welcome back to Talk Design. Um, I'm really keen to, keen to talk, man, about um, the relationship when uh, you became your own client and your wife became um, your client. And uh, at some point, did anybody suggest that you hire an architect? Oh, great first question. <laughs> How do I word this? If you, uh, there's certain things that you would never ask a woman, like, you know, maybe how old they are or something, or there's certain things that people might be oblivious to that yeah. could be taken the wrong way. And uh, a few years back, there was a suggestion, why don't we just hire? And I was like, whew, take a good breath. It's not worth engaging and whatnot. So, um, but I can understand there's a certain amount of empathy and there's a, um, when we work with clients, we want to be, you, know, you want to be very connected. You want a trust level when you work with a the family, they want to feel comfortable, you know, like uh, there's a lot of great architects. So sometimes a decision I think needs to be made based on just gut instinct. Do you want, do you feel comfortable to be very open, very transparent? And likewise, do I feel comfortable being, you know, very open and transparent and direct in communications? Do I feel like I have to beat around the bush because someone as a client might be a little bit sensitive and so forth? And so yeah. there needs to be a certain connectedness, of course, but at the same time, there also, it's helpful to have a certain distance. You know, I'm hired, you know, my hat is to be their architect. Yeah. You know, I want to be very comfortable. I want to be very personable. I want them to be relaxed and so they can be very open and creative and everything, right? So it's good to have that balance between very, you know, but we're not best friends. Most of my clients, I've, I've done work for friends and so forth, but at the same time, it's helpful to have a certain distance. Still a you know, professional so you, relationship. Professional relationship. So it's a funny thing, you know, there's some professions where you're much more, you know, you don't need to kind of have that sort of, uh, well, amount of psych with a lawyer, you don't need that, you know, an attorney or something yeah. like that. Um, and a doctor, you know, you yeah. don't, you don't it, it, being an architect with a, a residential architect, you are like determining 
how they feel about where they live and where their security is. Right. So you, you need a certain amount of that empathy and, and so forth. But at the same time, it's very helpful to have a certain distance. And yeah. so there are times where when you're working with a spouse, it, any suggestion, it'll be like, well, uh, I've had clients in the past where we did some spec work for one person for like two or three projects. And I was recommending what I thought was the best professional solution. And it wasn't his own house. He was a spec developer. Yeah. And he said, well, I'll let you have the last decision. I'll let you have the last one when we had brick instead of stone. I'll let you have that. I'm like, it doesn't, it's not how it is. I'm recommending what I think is best. You hired me for those reasons. But he took it on like a little tally somewhere in his head was like, he. You know, it off. Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're 12 against my three. Yeah. Yeah. But when it comes to so getting back to then working with my wife and with any any family, you know, and I have yeah. two sons as well and want to get their input and so forth. But it is sometimes it feels like suggestions which are meant to be very professional are like there's a phrase which you you probably have in Australia, mansplaining. <laughs> you know, yes. and it's kind of like, you know, both my wife and I like to um uh, be the decision makers on a lot of things. And so sometimes we need to kind of say, you take care of this. I'm not going to meddle. You know, we don't need two people to make these decisions, but it's our house. It's a house. And so it's, and it's, it's, both, home. Of our, it's both of our homes. And so there's a lot of things, wonderful things that would not have been in the design if it weren't for her input. And so it's really very, very helpful thing. Having said that, the end result we're very happy with. I think we both, there's a lot of, I, I could, if I were in the house, I could point to a lot of different things that were there because she made suggestions or requests and so forth. And they were, it is not at all what I would have designed if it was just for myself in a vacuum. Yes. Sometimes the process, it is a kind of a tricky one. It's a very different one uh, with your own family because like I heard it said one time with different people, like was it maybe Michelle Obama and Laura Bush both said about their husbands, like, look, <laughs> whenever they start to think they're hot stuff, you know, I need to make sure they, you know, yeah, they yeah. <laughs> keep them grounded because, like, don't let anything get to their head. And and so, you know, I guess the the analogy there is that it's it's not just me. I'm not doing it as a trophy, and I wouldn't do that for a client either. No. But uh, some people think when it's oh, when it's your own house, it's great. You must love doing your own house. You can do anything you want. Yeah. And for me, that's really kind of the curse because no, it's not anything I want. It's not meant to be this trophy of like, I'm going to make it the most, and it's a renovation. So the, the existing home, of course, had a lot of say in it, but I have no interest in making it a trophy of what Hugh Randolph architect, you know, none of that. Yeah, BS. It's, it's not, not that. Yeah. Family house. It's something that <laughs> we're exploring different things that we might not do for a client. I think there is a great opportunity that if an architect does work on their own house, even a renovation, if they get a little timid, I don't know if I should do this. It's like, look, here's an opportunity to try something. You might fail. It might be something that you take too far and you think, oh, okay, I thought this would have been good. But, but if you don't use yourself as your own guinea pig, you know, I, then I think it's a better thing. I 100% so really agree. I 100% I, I agree. I, um, I, I feel the tension when trying to do something in my own home. My home's a renovation home as well, like renovating. Yeah. And I feel the tension of, um, you know, when you, when you do this all day long, 
you're looking at so many solutions and so many ways of doing it. And um, then you take your spouse who isn't like uh, engaged you as a client and <laughs> as the, as the yeah, architect. Exactly. And, and you have to tread in this whole new way and it, it's, yeah, it's challenging. It can, what can be challenging can be a lot of fun as well. But that's a, no, about you it. get, together, but it can be challenging. Yeah, for sure. And, and you do get different results because um, it opens up parts of your relationship that um, you didn't know existed in the sense of uh, where things really matter to them, that you drag that out of a client in no, in no time. But because water's gone so far, so much water's gone under the bridge that you've actually never noticed that that point was a point. Um, because it's never a clean slate start. So tell me with your home, um, tell me about the house, the original house, and then also what you've done to it. That would be awesome. And in it, any little nuances, any of the little quirky items that when people are looking at it on the tour, they can go um, hunting for. Tell me some of those. And, yeah. and start with what the old house was originally. The original house was built in 1939, so it's uh, it's almost you know 80 years old, and is built by a family. We actually met the original homeowner. Um, her husband, she was. We met her. We've lived in the house 17 years now, and we did some small renovations before this major one. But we uh, was built in 1939 as a ranch house. And the firm that designed it is still in existence. It's called Page. And they now have offices in London and Houston and New York. Well, not New York. Anyway, they, they're all over. In Austin, they've done the airport, the convention center, oh, you wow. know, a couple of new rises. I mean, they, they're a very, very established firm. The oldest firm in Austin, I believe. But originally oh. it was a Page, Sutherland and Page. So um, two Page, I think is, I think they're Page brothers and Mr. Sutherland. And Mr. Sutherland was friends with uh, John Roberts. And so John and Viola Roberts were the original homeowners. And so he was born in 1878. So he was wow. 60 years old when they built it. It was his second marriage. They um, didn't think they'd be able to have kids. So There's only a two bedroom, one bath house. And then as sometimes is the case during construction, you know, she was pregnant. And then they had a second child. And so um, I've met both both of the children and we um on a quick story we gave uh we gave uh, viola we reached out to her she was living in a nursing home when we first bought the house we gave her a tour during the initial renovation and my wife was being very kind she said oh we're going to paint this room we're going to kind of change this and then she walks into the other room and says viola and viola and myself were talking and she looks at me and says you're an architect what are you really going to do <laughs> and so I told her, we're going to like open this up and we're going to change this. And she says, oh, that's good. That'd be much better. I never liked that part. My wife was just, I wanted to kind of, she felt like it's very traumatic for her changing her original <laughs> that she hadn't lived in since 1962. But, um, but anyway, it's very fabulous. <laughs> history. For us, it's kind of like, you know, we are just the current custodians. Uh, you know, for the for the home, we've uh, raised our two boys there, and whatnot. But the original house, there's one story that in, and I think it may show up in some photographs. But um, the library is a wood paneled room, very classic, you know, longleaf pine library. 
And if you, we found the original architecture drawings at the Austin History Center, and they have the uh, interior elevations of all the bookshelves and the cabinetry on one wall in the library. And in the drawing, they show, you know, one wall was going to be all the fishing trophies, and then yeah. the other wall yeah. is the hunting trophies. And on the wall where the fishing plaques would be, they show them in the drawing exactly where each one was to be mounted. And they say, not to exceed the size of the fish cut by Lewis Page, architect. <laughs> You know, so um, yeah, it was Lewis Page. <laughs> and so who had written that in there? Had, had, had the architectural form, firm or, and they were friends. So that was probably a little fun thing. Yes, to... I think it's a little joke. And so the interesting thing is the room was painted over in the 60s. And when we renovated initially, we stripped off all the paint and you could see these darker areas kind of shaped like, you know, like a Chevron plaque, like a little badge uh -huh. shape. And they were, we looked at the drawings like, look, that dark spot, there's three of them. They're exactly where the blueprints showed the fishing trophies being mounted on the wall. And so what happened was they were mounted there from the day one, the morning light comes in and would lighten all the wood, yeah. except for where they were. So there's these little shadows, like an archeologist looking at something and realizing what the ancient Romans ate or something, you know, like yeah. it, there's, so that I looked at, it's like, well, that, that is that shape. At first I thought it was just, some weird discoloration in the wood, but then when I saw the drawings, it all made sense. These little dark areas are above the center of the bookshelf, the center of a window, and they're the shape like you'd see these little plaques, you know, like yeah. a little crest. So you and can so still see these little, today? You can still see the dark spot. Like if you walked in the room, you probably wouldn't notice it, but when we point it out, it's like, wow, that's right. And so for me, that's it's a funny little thing. It's like this vestige of history about these two friends and the fishing trophies and everything else. And then the fact that the room got painted because I guess in the 60s, it was out of style to have stained wood. Yeah. And so it preserved, it preserved that, you know, and it kind of froze it in time. And so that's one kind of nuance. Um, in regards to what we have done, there, you know, there used to be a little birdhouse on top of one of the roofs. It was a built-in architectural birdhouse. Yeah, it was like, uh, you know, little round you know, holes and little wooden, kind of like a little cupola, like a little vent. Uh -huh. And so that was the inspiration uh, for, uh, there's a cupola over the boys' bedroom wing. And uh, you can see that on the, in the, some of the photographs, you can see it in the, uh, the 360 tour yeah. when you look up. And so that whole cupola was meant to be a feature that was in a way inspired by that, uh, that old birdhouse. It was also a way because the way that the floor plan worked is that my younger son was going to have the bedroom closer to the rest of the house, which meant that a hallway had to go past his bedroom to get to the end of that wing. So my older son's bedroom was going to be bigger and have windows on three sides where my younger son would have a smaller room and only one window. And that's when we decided, well, what if we were to put the, uh, the bathroom that they share, if it has a lower ceiling, then we can build like a loft with that little cupola, right? Cool. So it's all... It was meant to be something which was based on, uh, it wasn't like we wanted to build a cupola just because it looked cool. Yeah. It was kind of like a solving aspect of it. And so uh, that's one feature that uh, we really like how it turned out. Another one is, and this shows again in the photographs, is that my son's bedroom, the one that has a cupola, that was an old garage. And so the layers of history kind of approach is that he loves collecting things, like little artifacts and he, uh, does some woodworking and so forth. And so the, the wood framing, rather than being just the vertical studs, it was like a grid. It had a horizontal framing member and then the vertical uh -huh. framing members. And that was a garage wall. And so if you look at in some of the photographs, 
you'll see this exposed framing in his bedroom. And that was the original garage wall, which like a lot of architects, when you see these industrial buildings or these old wooden garages, like, you know, back, you know, from the thirties and forties or like where people nail license plates to the walls and yeah, they yeah. got a real character. And then later people renovate them or a lot of new garages. Now they're all sheetrock and they're, they're all sheetrock out, man. Yeah. They're the, yeah, the they're finished fancy. rooms. They're very clean. They don't get dusty, but we really like that character, but, you know, we had to renovate. So what we did is we put the insulation on the outside of the house and put a whole new layer of siding, which looked exactly like, you know, the, the original. original. <laughs> but we put like, a, it's like putting a coat or wrapping the house with a foam blanket yeah. and then putting a whole new skin on top of it. And we did that. There's a few different reasons, but we really, we really liked the look of the old cool garage wall. We didn't want to put insulation in it. Yeah, sure. And you building, didn't want to ruin it or cover it up. And the builder was like, I don't know, really, it's not going to pass code. It's like, yes, we'll put, you know, four inches if we need to, we'll wrap this and we, it'll work. Sure, but you're building onto the outside of it so you can just add what, what's required yeah. to get there. It's very unconventional, but that, again, some of my favorite things in the house are these stories, like they leave a clue. You yeah. know, it might not be obvious and it might look cool. And it might be that if you want to hear the story, like where the fishing trophies were, or this was an old garage wall, because nothing else about the wing, like, you know, a lot of times people renovate in garage in a very simple way. And you see one big giant window where the garage door used to be, and it still looks like a, and here's a driveway. Yeah, exactly. There's a driveway to a window. <laughs> yeah. So we don't, we, we didn't want it to look like it used to be the garage, but we liked the character. And so again, it leaves these little memories, these little traces of what used to be there. And for me, that's some of my favorite things. Or the other thing on that note is when you walk into the kitchen, you'll see uh, the wood floor ends in kind of a, uh, like a bay window, like a, you know, angled shape. Sure. And all the new section of the house in the main wing, we put a very colorful pattern tile and we kept the outline, the exact edge of the old house with the wood floor. We had to patch the wood floor, of course. Of course. But look at when you look at the floor, you can tell exactly where the new and the old is. And so it's like this collage of these different things. We could have taken, we could have, the original kitchen floor is a longleaf pine floor. And it See. used to be covered up with linoleum because people, people never exposed that wood, this beautiful wood. And so when we exposed, we wanted to keep it. We probably could have found more of that wood and woven it in to make it look like it's all one big giant wood floor. But we like the notion of walking in. Plus, it makes sense when you walk in to walk in on the tile floor more, you know, for just for the dirt and for the it's dog hot, food. Yeah. yeah. You know, so it's like your welcome mat in a sense. So it's a functional thing. Just like the, a lot of these things are meant to not only be, oh, this is a cool little history, you know, archaeology kind of game. But we like things that give you a hint of what used to be there. They tell a story. Yeah. And, yeah. And. It's no, we, we didn't want it to be renovated where the whole house meant to look like it's all the same and it's all up to date and modern. We like these things where it's, a, you know, again, you see these layers of additions and stories that each addition tells. And so for me, that's another example. The kitchen floor when you walk in, my son's loft and the garage yeah. wall. The You're a master at this, though, as well. This is, this is part of the fabric of who you are, the stories and the... Being able to take a place, um, I, I mean, I look through your work and there's in the renovation work where you actually can take a place and, you know, modernize what needs to be modernized, but then keep 
the fabric and the intent of the original part of a home and then blend it beautifully into something that continues it, whether that be taking it to modernist structure or whether it be keep, keeping it within the genre that it's in. Um, it's right, something that right. you, you love to play in and, and excel in it, I would say. It's a, Thank you. It's no, we do like that. And I, you know, some of my favorite architecture are these beautiful, like the, the Mies van der Rohe Barcelona Pavilion or the Pantheon. They're pure, beautiful, Lincoln Memorial in, in United States, Washington, D.C. But when we actually design things, we love things that, you know, I lived in New Orleans growing up in different places. And I really like these these places that just have these layers and kind of collages of things where it's the, it's the mix yeah. that I find the most intriguing. You know, sometimes these other things are like beautiful and striking, but I just, you know, I like having these things that don't necessarily have to be that way in the end and they, they have their own life because of the eclecticness. I think that's one of the beautiful things is, um, you know, if, if you build or design a, a brand new place, then you're your your intention is is to start that journey so this is the yeah, journey exactly. of this house and it, it will be of now because of the technology and the building codes and all those kind of things but it'll be of the people whose home it is and then when you um take an old home that has already got these you know value and intrinsic features um that part of the reason that that house existed and and why the people bought it before it was renovated and then taking that and gently just working with it is a beautiful skill like it's a it's a lovely thing it, it and it it history gets you know wiped away too quickly especially in homes you know renovations happen often it's um and, and so being able to do both is um, is masterful. It's, it, it makes a beautiful job of it. Um, what convinced you and your wife to open your own home to the tour? Great question. Um, there were, so this year, of course, it's virtual, obviously, you know, and there are two different houses in years past that we have asked the clients to submit and they said, well, we love the house. We're happy with you. But we know 5,000 people walking through a house. <laughs> you know, we, it's just too, we're not comfortable with that and so forth. And so my first thought was like, okay, well, we've got house A and house B, wonderful clients. They've agreed to let it be a virtual tour. They had some concern, but they, they were good with it. And so I, I really kind of you know, debated, okay, well, which, which of these two houses do we want to kind of put out there? Does it really matter? You know, but you know, one was very modern. One was a more traditional kind of house, uh, both yeah. new homes. Actually, the irony is the very modern one was a renovation, but it all felt like it was all new and very sleek. And then the other one was a different character. And both of them had, you know, people in the neighborhood, people I know is like really, oh, I really love that house or the other one they really, so I, I knew that they were very, um, they were, were proud of them and we wanted, we would be open to having either one be put out there for more people to know about us and to, and to enjoy. Yeah. But I asked someone else, I said, well, which one of the two, you know, you think, and it's your designer here in town who I've worked with. And she said, Hugh, what about your own house? I'm like, wait, you know, it felt <laughs> really like, 
you know, and then a couple of things. One is that it wasn't all the way done. And so I thought this is a good thing to really kick it into gear. <laughs> <laughs> and but your no, wife went, other, yes, we're doing it. <laughs> uh, do you know uh, Eric, you know Eric Rouser? Have you met Eric? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's a great guy. And so I, thought, I said, Eric, you know, and thought this. And he goes, well, so what do you think? He said, here's the interesting thing to you. Your house has a story. Yeah. There are a lot of beautiful houses. You go on Instagram, you go on Dwell Magazine, you go on Pinterest. It's it's kind of like someone once time said, like if you moved out to LA, like everyone's beautiful, everyone's yeah. a model, everyone's yeah, an actor, you know? yeah. And well, there's a T-shirt I saw years ago that said um, that said too ugly for LA, too smart too for smart New for York. I think it was. <laughs> I'll be in DC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so what Eric said was, you know, there's a lot of just photogenically just striking, beautifully done homes, and seeing them in person sometimes is great. But if you're just seeing that, like both of those houses that you've described to you, I, you know, I think I know them both, and I, you know, I've seen pictures. And he goes, but here's the thing about your house is that your house has such an interesting story. And to think about it, if you have a virtual medium and if it's just about showing beautiful pictures, you know, is it really the best opportunity? Whereas your house is not just what the house looks like. And it looks nice, <laughs> you expect to say, yeah, but yeah. so interesting the story behind it. Then we also raise the animals. You know, we, we've got pet goats and we've got a pet pig. And so if your house is presented about here's this history, here are the different stories of the previous owners, here's what you've done with it, your little urban kind of farm. Yeah, compound is that really is something that is different from just seeing another pretty picture no matter how beautiful the house is and, yes and so yes and so that was really like an interesting thing and the final straw was kind of like well this is great you know i think that it's something that's unique mm. you know and we've done renovations we've done historic homes and so forth but but if we felt like you know this one would be good to um put out there in a virtual medium because it also gave it great empathy or when this is our 10th house we've had on a home store in Austin. And so that's, you wow. know, so there's nine different families who have been comfortable with opening up their house, you know, from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m., two days in a row, where yeah. thousands of people walk through. And that's the physical, the hassle of it, but also just that whole sense of you're like, you know, we've had the most confident of homeowners who have wonderful taste and you know, love their furnishings and their art. But like, what are people going to think? They're very like. Of course, it's their home and it's attached to them. Judged, and no, people aren't going to judge. People do. People walk through, and you know, like years past, like they wouldn't even have like a little. I wouldn't have a badge saying I'm the architect, and so kind of nice to get there here. People say, and usually it's nice stuff. But every now and then you get like, why? Can you imagine if you did this? Or, and there's times where you know, what if the homeowner is there and so forth? So you really, it's, it's something that you become very vulnerable. I think you'd yeah. buy the homeowner a, a weekend in Dallas or Houston or San Antonio or something yeah. and say, don't come well, back. Usually yeah, usually they're not there. Yeah. But I guess this whole sense of like having total strangers kind of yeah. go into your home and they're not opening the closets and they, but no. still it's very, you know, I can, I can understand now, even the, even just a virtual tour, you know, and it's somewhat invasive. Talking, yeah. It, you know, so it's been a learning experience for me, even just with the tour, uh, being very, um, I felt, hopefully I've been very appreciative and respectful and so forth of all what it takes to have a house on the tour. But it is interesting this year because I've never been thinking like, okay, 
would I ever want to put it on an actual tour? It's like, I don't know. You know, yeah. would I, would I feel like it's comfortable that way? And so, uh, yeah, so that's, that's kind of why we love the tour in general. You know, it's been a great thing for Austin and you know, you've, you've gone on it. And so I think that um, it's a wonderful fundraiser for the chapter, but also more importantly, I've really enjoyed over the years, there's people that I know, like if I coach their kids in a soccer or their social friends I haven't seen in a while, you just haven't crossed paths with. And so it's fun. It's like this big party. It's like some big wedding of a, you know, a friend or relative where you see all these people and you get to, you know, like a giant, you know, like it feels like, man, you have to stand up and you're on your feet for eight hours. You can be there every day. It's like, you like it. Yeah, it's actually fun. By, yeah, by Sunday evening at the end of the tour, you know, you're totally exhausted, but it's really enjoyable. And then there's other people who I've gotten to know who are, they, it's a ritual. They just go on the tour. I ran into someone the other day. We were doing a project now down in a sort of neighborhood called Travis Heights in Austin. So I think, you know, kind of like near Continental Club. Sure. And, yeah. Yeah. So we've got, we've got a project there real briefly. And I was walking around the block, just kind of, you know, looking at different houses. And I saw a neighbor across the street from my new client and they were on the porch. And so I introduced myself and I said, Oh, I'm an architect. I'm going to be working in this house across the street, you know, building a new house. And they were like, not quite excited. Oh, don't worry. It'll fit in. And I introduced myself and, and it turns out that they bought their house from an architect and different things like that. But, um, so do you ever go on the homes tour? And she goes, I go every year. I'm going to miss it so much. It's always a highlight of my fall. You know, there I know it's October. I was like, wow. She goes, oh, I volunteer. I've been a docent. And, oh, I've known your house. Oh, you're that guy. You know, wow. She yeah. But it was like, all of a sudden, it became something where we kind of bought it. And she felt much more comfortable about, you know, here's this guy who's going to tear down the house across the street. <laughs> you know, Ruin my neighborhood. <laughs> you know, we're nowhere in the category of a UT football game. Of course, it's not like that. But it is. And it's not like the ACL Music Festival. Yeah. But it is surprisingly, for a lot of people in Austin, it is something that they do every year. Yeah. And it's a great, it's a great um, thing for the community, you know, in large also with architecture in general, but, um, so I love the tour. I could go on about it, but I think it's a wonderful opportunity and I would feel badly like if I didn't uh, submit something, yes. um, especially this year, you know, it's something that no one knows. I how think it's, yeah, you how know, the virtual gonna... tour will go. I think that, that probably in the future and goodness knows I'm talking out of turn here, but, um, I imagine that there'll be a component that's virtual and there'll be a component that's real in the future that um, oh, it'll, it'll work both ways. Yeah. And I think uh, having the film and everything else, there's no reason you can't try to broadcast it to a bigger audience than people who yeah. are actually physically here in town. I, so, um, I know that that feeling of being on tour, you know, I mean, I've been there plenty of times and I, I see people who, who I've, they're not architects or builders or whatever. They are people who are on the tour that I've seen two years or three years in a row. Um, right. And bump yeah, into no them and they go, I remember you, you're the guy from down under, you're the, you're the Kiwi yeah, from yeah, Australia. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, 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 you know, and we will have stopped and talked on a sidewalk or something like that. Um, in a home, we've been standing in a bathroom and they've gone, you know, we've talked about something or just, it, it is, it's a beautiful thing. Oh, well, I'm yeah. so excited to see your home on the tour. It's going to be really fabulous. And well, thank you. It, it's fantastic to hear the stories behind it and what makes it because, 
that's what I suppose to me turned to house into a home and, and the layers of history um, that you will bring to it as well as the layers of history that it had before that you honor and your you know with what you've done to it I think that's a really sensational thing and you know some of those things like so for people in there um, look for those roofs look for those cupola roofs and um, also the garage the, the garage wall in the bedroom take the time to find that and um, those floor transitions as well these are really cool items and last but not least those fishing trophies take the time to scan those walls in there and just see it and know that that i love the story there where the um the the guys on the plans had put not bigger than one of you know what well, i can't remember his name but whatever pages architects was <laughs> i love that that's the kind of thing that I would write on a set of plans because it would be fun to do. Um, you know, this is, I, I write some things on plans quite often uh, in the conceptual stages that you go, you'd never put them on the, on the finished working drawings, but I have these little jokes and little prods at clients and fun things that we, the inside joke parts. It's good. Um, but I will leave it at that and I'm so looking forward to it and I will catch up with you on the tour weekend, no doubt in one of the parties. Um, and we will see you next year as well. I hope that we can travel by then out of Australia, but we'll see. We should see you next year. Hugh, thank you again. Really appreciate your time. Have a wonderful uh, evening. Cheers, Matt. Bye. Richard's Magic Arrows is brought to you by the Architect Marketing Institute. Clean, simple, sugar-free magic arrows that hit the mark for fast results. Let's fire a magic arrow into this week's problem. Now I know feed pressure is one of the biggest things facing designers. It doesn't matter what level you're at. There is no one golden bullet for it. Uh, if it was, it was probably select the right type of clients. But if you're in a situation where you're being pressured on fees, I'm going to give you a way of dealing with it. And it's by asking, let's say, three questions. And this is called takeaway selling. So this is where you kind of offer something up and then you take it away and see if they follow you. It's almost like imagine if you had some hot ch chocolate cookies and you had a plate full of them. You put them in front of them, someone and then they went to reach out and then you, you pulled it away and you see if they get up and follow you. It's that type of thing. So this is called takeaway selling. So the first question you ask, you say, well, why don't you just leave the situation as it is? Why, why make the change? That's an unusual thing for a designer to say. Well, why not just leave it as it is? And see how they answer. And then you might say, why did you want to speak to me? Why did you not get someone else? And see if they follow you. See if they answer properly. And the third question would be, well, why not do it later? Now, by asking these negative questions, you're going to get a lot more information out of someone than by trying to convince them to do it. Because by pulling the plate of hot cookies away, they're either going to react or they're not. And if they do react and give you answers and explain why it's important, then what they're doing is telling you how important something is. Now, while these magic arrows are great for fast results, when you're ready to run better quality projects from clients who value great design and are prepared to pay great fees, I've got a special training just for you. Go to archmarketing.org forward slash talk design. Take your magic arrow and fire at will.